Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, and welcome to the exciting, colorful, and sometimes bizarre world of Argentine tango. On this show, we'll be meeting tango instructors, event organizers, and musicians. They are a fascinating bunch of people, and it'll be a great time. I'm your host, Joe Yang, and thank you very much for joining us. My guest today has been a competitive and social dancer since 1985. She has an extensive background in ballroom and swing and has well over a decade of competitive experience. After retiring from competition, she opened the Convergence Dance and Body Center in St. Louis, Missouri. And shortly after that, she discovered Argentine tango. She makes regular trips to Buenos Aires and has studied with a number of well-known tango masters such as Chicho Fromboli, Susana Miller, Alicia Pons, and many, many others. In addition to being a central figure in the St. Louis tango community, she is also taught at Tango Fest and Valentango, which are two of the biggest tango festivals in North America. And with me now is Roxanne Mayer. Roxanne, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's great to have you on the show. It's a pleasure being here. All right, so let's just jump right into it. So take us back closer to the beginning of your tango journey, Roxanne. So can you describe the moment when you knew you wanted tango to be a big part of your life? You know, it, it didn't happen that way for me, uh, and it's okay. kind of rolled into also how I started teaching. Mm -hmm. you know, I had a student that came to me and said he wanted to learn Argentine tango, and I said, I don't know Argentine tango. I had been doing ballroom American and international for about 17 years, mm -hmm. and I had danced at a high level long enough to know you can't just fake it, you <laughs> know, that, that every dance form, social dance forms included, have a have a structure and a form and a feeling that you can't get off of videos, things like that. But he came to me and said, I have videos and I want you to watch them and tell me what they're doing. I said, okay, wait a second, let's be clear. You're <laughs> going to pay me my hourly rate to mm -hmm. watch a video and give you my best guess. He said, yes. I said, okay, as long as we're clear that I don't know what I'm doing and I'm guessing, <laughs> it's an educated guess, I'm mm -hmm. game. And two months later, he had he had three videos actually, and only one of the videos that I think was interesting. It happened to be a video of Daniel Trenner and Rebecca Shulman oh. uh, in in their very first video they ever put out, which was really a video of a workshop. Mm -hmm. And I thought because you saw them giving corrections, you saw the results of the corrections. I thought it was brilliant, perhaps unintentionally brilliant, but I thought it was one of the best videos I'd ever seen. And so two months later, I was in New York City at a dance competition. I stayed an extra day, and I happened to go to Dance Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And that was my first Milonga. Oh, wow. And Daniel Turner happened to be dancing that night. So I met him. I said, I have to have a lesson with you. So the next morning at 7 a.m., which is not a great time for me to be functional, <laughs> nor is it for Daniel, by the way. He's a very good friend of mine now. Okay. Um, we had a lesson, and it told me just enough to know that I had no idea what I was doing, and I was fascinated by it. So uh -huh. I brought him to St. Louis two months later, so now I'm four months in. Mm -hmm. And then two months after that, I was in Argentina. Wow. So it wasn't <laughs> ever like, is this going to be a big part? It just was mm -hmm. something that constantly snowballed you know oh. and then uh and then i got really further and further and further away from ballroom mm -hmm. more and more and more into tango and now it's probably come back to a little bit more yeah. of a balance even though i'm definitely more tango centric than or social dance centric you know mm -hmm. salsa cuban salsa things like that as well yeah. Yeah. than than ballroom 
Great. So after that uh, lesson with Daniel Trainer, and you came back, uh, did did you meet up with that student again and give him better information? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, obviously he was he ended up being a part of that journey, you know. Yeah. So he would travel to Argentina every year. I think I worked with him for two or three years. Wow. And he'd come back. It was a different experience. And he mm-hmm. then he got transferred. He was a uh, anesthesiologist. He transferred to another city, and then that was oh, the end of that. Okay. I did run into him like 15 years later in <laughs> in. In La Ideal in Buenos Aires, which was so funny oh, because, wow. you know, to run into the student that actually got you mm-hmm. started it was a very strange thing. So. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So when you first were introduced to Argentine Tango, what impression did it give you? You know, I thought it was fascinating because mm-hmm. it's the way you have to learn Argentine Tango or the way that it's taught traditionally mm-hmm. is so different than the way that ballroom is taught. Yeah. And I am one of those people that I love puzzles, mm-hmm. and it was like a great big puzzle to me, mm-hmm. uh, and so I was fascinated by that aspect, that it was something new for me to discover and take apart and put back together and take apart and put back mm-hmm. together, because that to me is, I mean, dance is, is beautiful, and it's and it's sensual, and it and it's you know it's exciting, and it can be there's many different emotions that it can express. That's a given, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's unique to tango. I think yeah. that's dancing in general. Okay. But what was unique to tango is the the level of construction and reconstruction, and the the level of improvisation is mm-hmm. so much higher than most of the dances with the exclusion of maybe west coast west coast has that that potential as well i see so as you know a lot of our listeners they're they're relatively new to tango and they're quickly falling in love with the dance and they're just starting to come to milonga so as you know you know you can't just take lessons every week you got to use your dancing in a social setting and yeah so coming to those milongas they're they're still quite nervous so other than observing you know some of the basic customs such as you know keeping order on the floor you know forecraft using the cabasil so what advice would you give those students to help make their milonga experiences more enjoyable as they start venturing out to the social scenes you know i would say there's there's a couple of things that are really important a in the end a milonga is a social gathering where there's dancing. Mm-hmm. It is not a dance gathering where there's socialization. Ah. And that's important because when you go to the milongas of Buenos Aires, they're all dressed up, they're seated, they order a bottle of champagne, they're hanging out, they're there all night. They don't dance every tanda. Their mm-hmm. goal isn't to collect tandas or to, you know, they, some nights they dance a lot, some dance maybe nights they may play dance a little bit. They go with their friends, they create little communities inside of their community. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't like the word clicks, but it, what is it when you bring your friends someplace and you go together and yeah. you're hanging out together? That mm-hmm. feels clickish. <laughs> I don't think you should be exclusive, but I just, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's what happens when people socialize. Yeah. Um, so I think that let it be a social event. You know, take your friends from class. Become, you know, become the, the class that goes out dancing together because then you have friends, like the people you know and people you're comfortable with when you go out dancing. Yeah. Uh, be inspired by people that are that are better than you instead of intimidated. Right. right. You know, and if you're really going to be intimidated by them, don't watch them. <laughs> you know, right. look at somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, but them being good doesn't mean you're bad. Mm-hmm. It just means you're a beginner. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Being a be- there's nothing wrong with being a beginner. Right. You could be a talented beginner, and and if a more advanced dancer dances with you, they may very well walk off the floor and go, "Wow, 
And they may not say it, but they might think, oh, that guy's really talented. They're not saying you're the best on the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what they're saying is that they know that you have potential because they were there as well. One yeah. time. So, you know, don't be intimidated. Just sort of be inspired. And that's that's a big one. I think the customs of floor craft are important. I mm-hmm. think trying to checking and trying to get someone's attention before you cut in front of them and walk on the floor. That's a big one. <laughs> yeah. I think the cabaseo is tricky in the United mm-hmm. States because people don't use it. They don't use it for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, some people literally just can't see. Like they wear glasses and they just can't <laughs> yeah. see. You know, yeah. so they're not going to, they're maybe not ignoring you. They just can't see you. That, and I think sometimes people want what they want and they don't want to use the cabaseo because then they don't feel that they can control things. Yeah. So I think the cabaseo is wonderful. And I think better dancers do use the cabaseo. It's very intuitive mm-hmm. uh, because if you can't catch someone's eye frequently, it means they're not in that mindset to dance with you, yeah. whatever that means. If you walk up and ask someone to dance versus using the cabaseo, mm-hmm. then you have to be okay with a no. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. to be okay with a no whether you're male or female. Uh-huh. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> male yep. or female because I've seen, you know, the girls don't think about it. And the men will go, she, she said no when I asked her to dance. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then I hear a girl go, he said no, he's such a jerk. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. That's not how that works. So I think that's tricky. Mm-hmm. And I think the cabaseo certainly Mm-hmm. takes care of that and it's a much softer uh, thing mm-hmm. but again I think people want what they want so they like yeah. to ignore that social custom because that then they feel like they can't get what they want so that's tricky mm-hmm. that's a tricky yeah. one but if you can I would advise people if they can learn to use it it really is a nicer experience overall a nicer yeah. experience and get to know people because it's a community and if you go and you sit in a corner you know unless you're 20 and gorgeous you are going to sit in the corner all night. Go out, <laughs> say hi to people, meet people, put yeah. yourself out there. You know, yeah. people remember you because you talk to them. It's a mm-hmm. social environment, and 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 it's a friendly social environment. So mm-hmm. just get out there and say hi to people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it, it's it's nice because you know, like you said about it's okay to be a beginner. I, I've danced with some uh, students who are who are not talented beginners, but they were just so nice and so pleasant that I, yes, just, right? I just, I just like being around them. And yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be one of those students who uh, tried to get as much dancing as he could <laughs> before I figured out, oh yeah, I could just sit and chat with people and that's okay too. <laughs> it's okay so. too. And some nights you dance a lot and mm-hmm. some nights you don't. Yeah. So Roxanne, you have worked with a number of really, really wonderful teachers. So you may have a long answer for this next question and that's okay, but what, what is some really good or memorable advice that you've gotten from some of your teachers? I have to say there's, there's, there's a couple of them mm-hmm. that stick out that I say mm-hmm. to people in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, they're, and some of them are funny and some of them are tough to hear. You know? mm-hmm. So one was to be a truck. Okay, a truck. All right, one was to be a truck, so I have to explain this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is if someone goes to dance with you, this is from a follower's perspective, okay. right? And, and by the way, I started tango as a leader mm-hmm. the first year because nobody in St. Louis danced tango. Ah. So I started as a leader out of necessity. Mm-hmm. All right, so so this I'll give perspective from different points of view. I'll try to clear which one I'm talking about. As a follower, if someone goes to embrace me, mm-hmm. My partner is going to dance with me in the way that I tell them I want them to dance with me. Mm-hmm. To the extent, if I walk into the embrace and I stand up and I hold my body and I'm clear and I look for the embrace that I want, then the chances of me getting a comfortable, wonderful dance are exponentially Im- 
you know, increased. Mm -hmm. If I walk up and hold my arms up and go, how do you want to hold me? Then mm -hmm. I might be grabbed. I might lose all the air out of my lungs as someone pulls me in and yanks me off my feet. Mm -hmm. So know how you want to stand. Know how you want to be in be embraced how you want to embrace and be clear mm -hmm. because otherwise you get what you get mm -hmm. yeah so do your homework do your dancing yeah. you know there is uh, because that's the part that that in the very beginning the first two seconds of the dance mm -hmm. you know when someone's done their homework because they walk up to you and they stand next to you the way that they want to stand next to you they embrace you the way they feel is empowering and powerful for mm -hmm. both of you yeah. and um, that's 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 big Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is, I heard a teacher say once, and I have to say this is the only thing I ever got from this person. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't even remember his name. And he said, I want to dance with you, not your teacher. Oh. Meaning when I go to embrace you, mm -hmm. I don't want to feel your technique and all the things you were told. I want to feel you. Yeah. Interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. Really, really interesting because mm -hmm. you, you go, you're like, I'm gonna do all this stuff right, and I want to look, I want to look just like my teacher. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You want to look like you. Yes. You want to have nice technique, but mm -hmm. in the end, there should be something specific to you, mm -hmm. right? Something about you that makes you unique. That's mm -hmm. what social dancing is about. Yeah. It's not about hitting this, you know, this this perfection. It's it's about it's about finding you know, to being in the range of a certain technique so that your pivots are good, your balance is good, your lead is strong, you know, that you're connected, that you have a range of dancers you're able to lead or follow. Mm -hmm. But within that, you find some expressiveness that's unique to you. Yeah. yeah, that's a great way of putting it. I want to dance with you, not your teacher. That just might you? be the title of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I dance with you, not your teacher. Yeah. Then I had two other teachers, mm -hmm. and these were are well-known. And I was doing the thing that all dancers do at some point. I had been, again, I had been dancing for a long time. I was mm -hmm. a high-level dancer, and I wasn't a snotty one, right? But right. I, at the same time, I had a an idea, and I was dancing with my partner, who was who was a newer dancer. He'd been dancing for three years, so mm -hmm. he didn't have the level of experience or performance or anything that I did. But doesn't matter, right? And mm -hmm. Carlos Covito was in town doing a workshop for mm -hmm. me, mm -hmm. and he happened to be there when we did the performance. Mm -hmm. And I walked off the floor and I made some kind of comment of, you know, well, you know, if my partner was better, you know, because I was, I was embarrassed by it. You know, I knew that okay. I could have danced better mm -hmm. and I was a little embarrassed by it. And he said to me, it was brutal at the time, it was so funny, like mm. in retrospect. And he said to me, you're as good as you are. It shouldn't matter who you're dancing with. Mm -hmm. Wow. I, should, I can tell how good you are, no matter who you're dancing with. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking... Oh, you know, <laughs> like, ouch, you know. Yeah. But the reality is it's true. You know, I can watch a woman, mm -hmm. it's important for women to realize this, I can watch a, a beginner woman and an advanced woman dance with an advanced dancer, mm -hmm. and the difference between the two is clear, but at the same time, the beginner doesn't look awful, mm -hmm. right? If I can watch a beginner woman and an advanced woman dance with a beginner man, mm -hmm. the difference is startling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Because the big, the advanced woman still looks calm, mm -hmm. in control, balanced. She's not afraid. She's relaxed. She she knows she's like it's like, you know, it's like driving in crazy traffic. And you just yeah. know how to do it. You just it doesn't matter, you know? <laughs> yeah. And the same thing with leaders. You watch a beginner leader versus mm -hmm. an advanced leader dancing with a beginner or advanced follower, and where you really see the difference mm -hmm. is when the person that's good 
is dancing with the person that's just beginning, mm-hmm. you know what? They they can do it. Yeah. They can, and they can even do it in a way that's pleasant. Mm-hmm. No, you know, maybe it doesn't feel like the most advanced person, but still, yeah. yeah. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a big one, you know, because quit blaming it on your partner. Do your work. Yep. And uh, because in the end. You don't. You know. We know what, how someone can move. You can see it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to make excuses or, or feel bad or you just you just just do your work. Yeah. And then I was taking a lesson from Pablo Inza. I used to do it every year in Argentina. I take mm. a group every year to Argentina, and nice. I was taking a lesson. I think it was the first time I t- started taking lessons from him. Mm-hmm. And I went to him, and you know, it took me four years of working with him privately before he we even worked on anything besides like walking in ochos. I couldn't walk properly to him. Okay, this was mm-hmm. one of the few teachers that just almost brought me to tears. You know, oh, I wow. just I just couldn't do it, and I didn't mm-hmm. understand what he wanted, and and then it was frustrating. But yet I'm you know the banging my head against the wall. Here I am, mm-hmm. and finally got past that stage. That was nice, but. Uh, <laughs> I had finished taking the lesson where he had corrected the position of my pelvis and how I should move and all this stuff. And then he said, you get it. I'm like, well, I couldn't put myself there. Mm-hmm. You know, he could arrange me however, but I didn't feel it internally. And until you find it internally, you just have to keep working. right? Mm-hmm. But we finished the lesson, not inexpensive at the time, still not inexpensive. Mm-hmm. And I said, when can we do another one? I'm here for a month. And he looked at me and he said, why would you do another one? You have work to do. Ooh. And I was like, oh, you know, (laughs) I'm like, he doesn't want to teach me. Mm -hmm. And the reality is he was one of the most ethical teachers I worked with. Yeah. Because he was right. He said, listen, there's your work, there's my work, and there's the couple's work. Mm -hmm. You have work to do. Yeah. Until you do your work, until you do enough walking on your own, enough pivots on your own, until you find certain things happening, paying for a lesson for me will do nothing. Mm-hmm. It's pointless. Mm-hmm. Wow. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. this is tough because nobody wants to practice. Yeah. Right? It doesn't cost you anything. Mm-hmm. You don't have to uh, arrange it with somebody else's schedule. You can do it in your kitchen. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to do that. Yeah. But I know the people that practice at home mm-hmm. or come to the studio and practice in their off hours, they get much better. Yep. They get much better. So mm-hmm. if you have... Very few people have this, but if you have the dedication and the and the the work ethic to do your own work, to mm-hmm. do Ocho's face in the mirror, back, front, side, you know, do all of those yep. things, come up with exercises, and spend an hour practicing your tango every day, mm-hmm. you would be a superstar, right? Yep. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be an hour, mm-hmm. right? Then when you go to work with somebody, when you go to dance with somebody, you can work on your following or your leading skills, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And men have to do the same exercises because well, what is a saccada except for a, it's an ocho. And yep. it's an ocho in the middle of a molineta, you know, come on. Yep. The guys have to do the same ones. So the problem is the guys don't actually have to do ochos until they also have to lead a molineta at the same time. Mm-hmm. Isn't that tough? So yes. now you have to lead the molineta and do the ocho, and you never got to learn the ochos just as ochos. Mm-hmm. Right, you didn't. Yeah. You got to lead them, but you didn't actually have to execute them. Because yeah. I think the man's part is mentally challenging mm-hmm. in the beginning, whereas the woman's part is physically challenging in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And at some point, 
there's a nasty little switch. <laughs> yep. Right? There's a nasty little switch, and all of a sudden the man's part gets physically very challenging, mm-hmm. and the woman's part gets mentally very challenging because she has to figure out how to fit in her embellishments without overdoing it, mm-hmm. how to be able to understand what's a what's a you know a bigger pivot than a quarter versus a half versus whatever, where mm-hmm. she has to understand how things go together because at some point if you don't know that, you just follow complex material. Mm-hmm. So we go from, as a follower, not having to think about anything to mm-hmm. having to think. And that's a painful experience for the girls because all of a sudden they make wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. And the guys go from, you know, everything being more or less, once they mentally figure it out, it working out, to all of a sudden they have to pivot and stand up. And then they don't realize mm-hmm. that they don't, they're not strong enough. They're not balanced enough. They're not yeah. all these things that they've complained that the girls aren't yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It's, it's very interesting how... You know, the the dance in the end turns into itself, and then you're going to look at both sides. So leading and following, learning to lead and follow is the best thing someone can do, simply because in the very beginning, you have to do both things. In the very beginning, you have to think. Mm -hmm. In the very beginning, Mm -hmm. you have to act, and you have to be, you know, and that's, that's, this is why I love tango. I mean, 20, Mm -hmm. I've been dancing since 96, Mm -hmm. tango since 96, and I still find it, I still find it fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we thought we signed up for dance lessons. They're actually life lessons. <laughs> yeah, so. I don't think that's unique to tango, though. No, I do believe no, that's yeah. you. That's, but I think it is unique to partner dancing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's that because all of a sudden there's you and there's another person, and it's it's you have to be able to know your part, understand how it works, and she has to know hers and understand how it works, and then you have to figure out how those two parts come together mm-hmm. and work in harmony, and that. Now you have all our relationship issues yeah. right there, yep. right there, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, so we were talking about uh, learning from teachers. So, uh, Roxanne, you've worked with many, many students. You got started on this tango journey because of one of your students. So, um, again, this might be another long answer, but that's great. We like the, we like the long answers here. Um, <laughs> What have you learned from some of your students? What are some important lessons that they have taught you? <laughs> yeah, students have taught me that perspective is vital. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it doesn't happen very often anymore, but it still happens. I think even in the last six months, somebody did something, and I was like, in my first, my gut reaction was like, you can't do that. I'm like, wait, wait, do that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and they did, and I'm like, I take it back. You can totally do that. <laughs> so not to rule something out just because it's not how you do it. Uh-huh. Because you'll be surprised. Somebody is double-jointed. Somebody mm-hmm. has a flexibility or an inflexibility which leaves them to find a different way mm-hmm. to do something that you would do. Uh, I think that what we bring to the party influences how we create the dance. Mm-hmm. And the different stages that we are in the beginning, rhythmic music, is easier for people. You know, mm-hmm. they can hear it, they can stay on the beat, double times are easier, becoming musical, mm-hmm. and they find that more in rhythmic music. Whereas later on, we all are looking for the stuff that's more melodic, where we feel we can be more expressive, but I think that's much more difficult to hear mm-hmm. for most people. Now, that may not be true if you're teaching a musician, they may feel completely different. So you can't assume right. what's, what's going to be easy for somebody or what's going to be difficult for somebody. It's just a process. and that you know, people go through the process differently and you have to be open to finding many different ways to, to, mm-hmm. to reach them. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of one of the things that was big for me mm-hmm. that uh, 
the students just have to come at it from where they come from and that they'll surprise you. Mm-hmm. You know, that they will really surprise you. Their ability to and their desire to work hard because they're really interested in the material and and they're interested in, in learning something. And they're coming to me as adults, you know, and I think that's it's a different experience from they went through college, they went they learned their trade, you know, yeah. or their job mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're picking up something that by the time we're at this conversation, this is a hobby. They're very serious about it. You know, mm-hmm. they take workshops, they take private lessons, they take group classes. They understand what they get from these different things. You know, you get to be a part of this experience, and that, yeah, you know, you. This is something I've learned is yeah. that we just all go through that process differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's probably the big thing. I think the the other thing would be that it's hard it's hard to put your own personal stuff away. Mm-hmm. So. They've, they've also taught me sort of that it's, it's, you know, sort of the principle of the thing when you can't get put off by someone because they come at it a little abruptly or, uh, yeah. or that they won't go straight to the point about something. You know, I remember I've had a couple students that were in classes that always had to talk after you, always had to sort of co-teach <laughs> with you, always had yeah. to, you know, and every time you walked up to them, they would tell you exactly what was wrong with their partner. Mm. And so... I learned that, well, A, you can't let that happen because mm-hmm. you lose control of your class and you can't teach. B, you can't let it happen to the person that they're taking class with because then they're going to go to the next partner and their whole class is affected by the fact that they feel like they're under attack, right? So mm-hmm. I learned that my response was, when it was appropriate, which generally it was, that when they would say, so-and-so is not doing this, this, or this, Ooh. I would say, okay, well, let me dance with you. And mm-hmm. I would dance with the person that was making the complaints, and I would give them several things they could do mm-hmm. to improve their dancing. Ah. And then I would dance with a partner and give mm-hmm. them a couple you know, cues that they needed them as well. Mm-hmm. But the very first thing I did was address the issues of the person that was complaining about the other person's issues. Mm-hmm. And I still do that to this day. Nice. And I have found some people that were always difficult for me, certain types of people that were always difficult mm-hmm. became very easy because a lot of times the person that will call out a situation and be very brutal and very blunt mm-hmm. doesn't actually have any problem with you being br- brutal and blunt with them. Yep. No problem at all. They're not offended by it, mm-hmm. right? The problem is everybody else is offended by it, Yeah. but they're not. So mm-hmm. then I just learned to speak clearly to them and speak truth to them. And so they taught me that just teach them. You know, don't react to that. Just teach them, you know, and don't necessarily um, – everybody needs information, and clearly I'm sure their partner needed some help, yeah. but obviously they needed it as well. So. Yeah, good. Just uh, staying along the line with, with students, with all the experience that you've had working with, uh, with many types of students, what are some uh, common issues you see that, that might hold our Tangle learning back? Maybe, like, for example, maybe some, like, types of mental blocks or – or any other kind of uh, issues like that? I think the biggest number one is the fear of being wrong. Mm. Because guess what? You're going to be wrong so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you find your range without to, without exploring it? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. How do I know how far I can pivot unless I pivot until I fall over? Mm-hmm. You know, How do I know how to move across my feet and control. How do I know how fast I can go if I never go fast? How do I know how slow I can go if I never try to go as slow as I can? I mean, yeah. I think, how do I, if I'm if I'm leading and I, and I, I give the intention of a movement for the girl and she 
and she doesn't go, mm -hmm. uh, how do I know? Did I lead it? If I just go and assume she's going to come with me, I don't know. I have to figure. I have to play the game of can I lead this? Not to see if I can trick her up, but to see if I can get it done. Yeah. You know, and if I can get it done, if I can get it led, if I can get it working the way I want, great. If not, you don't even have to say this. Cause this can be something that happens solely in 100% in your head. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be a game that, that you have with your partner unless you have a partner where you can say, hey, I'm working on this and I'm working on, from a leader perspective, mm -hmm. I'm working on knowing if I can lead you to reach and what direction I can lead you to reach and can I find the pivot from random places. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm working on. Yeah. If it doesn't work out, it's on me. I'm playing around. I might not be as accurate or exact because this is a game that's new to me, mm -hmm. you know? And and then let your partner know that you're working on you're where you have a goal you have something you're trying to do from a partnering standpoint mm -hmm. and uh, or don't sometimes it's better to play the game and not have the conversation mm -hmm. but you can't then go you didn't pivot enough ah yep right yeah. or you weren't clear enough I didn't know what you want that doesn't mean we don't need to play some time to do that the other thing I think is feedback with with people when they practice together mm -hmm. uh, that holds us back is that we. We either don't give any feedback or we give it very inappropriately. Mm -hmm. And I hear it from men and from women both. I hear the woman saying the man's constantly telling me what I'm doing wrong. Mm -hmm. And then I hear the man say she's telling me that I am not leading her and she can't feel anything. Mm -hmm. So I feel there's the problem is they don't know each other's roles. So they really can't give 100% accurate feedback anyways. Right. But you can, uh, if you have moments... If if I'm working on something, if someone's working on something and they're getting what they feel is criticized mm -hmm. while they're working through something, they're not ready to hear it. Yeah. They're not in the right mindset to hear the criticism because that's what they interpret as criticism because they're not it's not their best effort yet. Right? Mm -hmm. They're they're working through something. That being said, there has to be a time and a place where you can say something. Mm -hmm. So I think what you can do is after two or three songs at a practica, you can go okay, how did that feel? Ask your partner. Mm -hmm. Because if you ask your partner for feedback, you're ready for it. You're open. It's coming. You're ready for it when it comes your direction. You can filter it however you feel you need to filter it. Then what the partner should do after that is they should turn around and go, okay, and how did it feel to you from my perspective? And, mm -hmm. then that, and, and, and have a moment in the dialogue where you open that up for conversation. Or you have one dance where you're focusing on one thing and at the end of it, stop and say, okay, how did that feel? Do you think we did it? Okay, let's do one more. And yeah. at the end of that song, go, did that feel any better? And start, mm -hmm. like, make a practica, a practica. A practica is not just a milonga that happens during the day, right? right? Exactly. Or it's not a milonga that's just, that's retitled. A practica should be a place where you can stop and talk. Mm -hmm. And maybe if it's guided, someone you can ask questions to. Like, this is, a practica is for work, right? Yeah. And those things that we do at the practical, we would never do at the milonga, right? At the milonga, we don't correct each other. At the milonga, we don't give right. feedback. Mm -hmm. Unless it's to say, hey, that's a nice time to thank you very much. That's appropriate, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we don't we don't talk during a milonga while we're dancing or mm -hmm. in the middle of it's, unless it's just a, so it's a social atmosphere. Mm -hmm. But I think we do have to have places and times to give feedback. So mm -hmm. I've been in classes where I've done half a song and the girl stops and starts telling me, uh, usually it would happen like a, a, a workshop somewhere where they don't know, someone doesn't know me. Mm -hmm. And then they proceed to tell me everything I'm doing wrong. And I was mm -hmm. like, and I remember thinking to myself, you have no idea who you're dancing with. <laughs> you have no idea yep. how long I've been dancing. You have no idea. And that's not just ego. I'm saying you really don't. When you yep. dance with somebody, you know, you don't necessarily have any idea mm -hmm. who you're dancing with. And you don't, 
and it wasn't too soon. It was too soon to have that conversation with me, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is did I take it personally? Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. I did because we were working on a little detail that the teacher wanted to work on, and I was working on it, and she couldn't even wait for me to like work through any of it. It wasn't like, hey, can I give some feedback? Mm -hmm. it, it, even so, it wasn't appropriate 30 seconds into the song. Mm -hmm. All right, so then I did what any advanced dancer would do. I shouldn't say that. I was just, This was ego. I proceeded <laughs> to dance the next dance around it, the trickiest stuff I could do. Mm -hmm. I mean, mind-blowing material for a song. And at the end, she's like, oh, my gosh, you're wonderful. I hope you didn't take what I said personally. <laughs> and I said, no, not at all. And we called a partner change, and that was the mm -hmm. last time I saw her the rest of the weekend. Wow. Nice. <laughs> Would I ever ask her to dance again? Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. But we have to remember this. And yeah. followers have to remember this. When you immediately go to tell somebody what they're doing wrong, when you couldn't possibly lead it to begin with, mm -hmm. it is offensive. Yeah. When you say... I'm not quite feeling what you want me to do, or I'm not sure what. Mm -hmm. If you're not sure, you can say, "Can we ask the teacher? Yeah. Maybe it's something I can be doing." If you say, it, "It's it's really much more of a conversation of let's make this better together." That's really important, and mm -hmm. for leaders too. Yeah. The whole yeah. you you kick here scenario is terrible. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You gancho here. <laughs> I'm like, really? I've had people say that to me. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. If you have to tell me where to put my leg, you're not doing it right. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Or or I'm not capable, in which case you're still not doing it right because you shouldn't be leading me through something I can't do. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. I can't do it, move on and lead something else. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. I think at the, at the workshop, you know, I've taken some classes as a student, and yeah, just exactly what you said. Some people are like, so then you just, mm hmm. Right. Yeah. And then the next second they go, oh, you want to stay together for the whole workshop? You're like, are you, in, in your mind, you're like, are you insane? Why would I do that after the conversation we just had when you yeah. didn't even know me yet? Mm -hmm. yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, it's just easy. So we have to understand that we have to, we have to help new people. Mm -hmm. And and it's really important. It's difficult to do, but when you go to a workshop mm -hmm. or a class, try your hardest just to work on your stuff. Mm -hmm. And if your partner's really struggling, then flag the teacher. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. fl just flag the teacher. Say, hey, listen, we're struggling. I don't have the answers. Can we please flag the teacher? We please ask the teacher. Yeah. You know. And now sometimes guys are, you know, guys are funny about this. It's like the whole thing about asking directions for something. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't <laughs> like to do it. They just want to love. Let's just work it out. Yeah. And the girls like, oh my god, my back's gonna die through this. So right, right. you have to find your balance. But at the same time, you know, don't don't be the teacher. You know, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. the person that that transaction of someone handing me the money gives me permission to give them feedback, mm -hmm. right? So if I'm at a milonga mm -hmm. and someone says, so tell me anything that I could be doing better, I'm like, no, we're at a milonga. Yeah. This is not the place for it. And on top of that, they are not handing me the money at that point. And that's not about if I don't get paid, I won't give information. But <laughs> over teaching for over 30 years, I have realized that part of that transition is giving me permission. Mm-hmm. I have some very good friends that are that took tango from me that dance salsa. Mm -hmm. For years, I've wanted to give them feedback on their salsa. Mm -hmm. Like their salsas, could I could really help them, mm -hmm. but they've never taken a salsa lesson from me. Mm -hmm. And if I gave them feedback on their salsa, they would be offended. Mm. They wanted a salsa lesson from me. They'd have paid me for one. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want it, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you have to understand that when you're partnering somebody, you know, they didn't mm -hmm. pay you mm -hmm. for your feedback. 
That doesn't mean, again, back to what we were saying earlier, that you shouldn't open the door for feedback at certain places. You should. Mm -hmm. You should when you're practicing or even in class. If there's a stop, say, how did that feel? Was that any better? Yeah. And, the, and the answer should be short. You know, it should be one sentence, two mm -hmm. sentences. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like a decoration, right? An embellishment should be one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. That's it. Yep. Shouldn't be any longer than that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's even long. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I like, I like what you, what, a lot of things what you touched upon um, uh, about how to be a good peer <laughs> to the community, to, yeah. the other, to the other dancers. And because, yeah, because it's great to ha get feedback from your instructor when that's possible. But um, yeah, a lot of the times you're working with each other. Students need to realize how much influence they have on each other, especially. Oh my gosh. Especially yeah. beginners. Yeah. 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 I've seen people, you know, have a bad class experience and never come back. Yeah. And that had nothing to do with me as a teacher. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to be, you know, we have to understand that we have a process and some people are a little more sensitive than others. And then we have to be mindful mm -hmm. of that, that if you want your community to grow, and it's it's trickier, especially since the feel of communities changes. You know, small communities, when people come from small communities, they go, well, we're so friendly and this community isn't. You're like, well, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but our community is like five times the size of your community. So right. It's not possible to go to a milonga and dance with absolutely everybody in the place. It's mm -hmm. not possible. Yeah. Um, sometimes uh, an absolute beginner who you'd be happy to help mm -hmm. uh, in their process comes up to you during this alternative piece, which is going to be very tricky and very difficult. Mm -hmm. And you know that that is going to be miserable. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know it's going to be horrible, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and the reality is, if it's horrible, you're not going to be happy about it, and that's going to come through in the dance. Mm -hmm. But if there was a nice little Darienzo tanda, right? Yeah. You'd be happy to dance a tanda with them, right? Mm -hmm. No problem. It would be easier for them, you know, and it would it would be great, right? Or mm -hmm. maybe not Darienzo, maybe something else, but something that was a little yeah. bit more rhythmic and easier for them to hear. Mm -hmm. yeah? yeah. So. That would be great. But no, they want to dance to that alternative piece. So mm -hmm. I don't have any problem saying to somebody, you know, I would really prefer to dance a different tanda with you. Can we dance the next tango tanda? Yeah. So I'll say no, but then I'll say no and say, but let's dance later. And then I'll find that. Right. Right? I don't pretend. Mm -hmm. I don't say, oh, not this one. You know, or I don't say my feet are tired and get up and dance with somebody else. That's right. just rude. Mm -hmm. You can say, you know what? Uh, not this one, but can we dance another one? Yeah. Or if you were trying to get the tanda with somebody else, you can say, oh, you know, I promised this tanda with somebody else. Mm -hmm. I was, can we dance another one later on? Mm -hmm. So then when you get up and dance, you're not offending them, yeah. you know? Yeah. But then go ask them to dance. Don't. That's when you have to go back and, because right. if they've made the gesture forward mm -hmm. and you say no and you give them this reason, then you can't then forget about them. Right, right. <clears throat> um, I also say a thing as beginners or as advanced people, if you're trying to help your community, Right. Mm -hmm. And and there's a lot of beginners there or maybe some of the beginners are challenging or or the beginners are nervous. Right. Mm -hmm. It's really a great thing if you want to dance. If you're at a community where it's a four song tanda, that is a long tanda with a beginner. Mm -hmm. Like by the by the end of the second dance, that beginner is getting nervous. They're yeah. like, oh, my God, I made it through two more songs, two songs, <laughs> but there's two more. Ah, two more right. right. They're a little they're a little nuts at that point because that's a long mm -hmm. time to dance with one person. Mm -hmm. Um. Ask them for the second half of the tanda. Yeah. I tell my people that all the time. And I tell my beginners that. I tell my mm -hmm. beginner guys, they're like, well, the girl's so good. I'm like, that doesn't mean she won't dance with you. But mm -hmm. if you're going to ask an advanced dancer to dance mm -hmm. and you're worried that she's going to go, you're not good enough, mm -hmm. understand that we all know that you might become one of our favorite dancers eventually, even though right now you're a little bit more challenging. Mm -hmm. Ask her for the third song of the tanda. Mm -hmm. If she's not already dancing, she's going to be like, 
it's two songs. Sure, I'll help you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't stress enough to, you know, to leaders who are dancing with beginners, gosh, just keep it simple. I mean, yep. you're, you're not going to be boring if you're, if you're just doing forward, side, back, and doing that well with the beginner, they're, they're happy. Yeah. Right. Uh, and if you feel as a leader that you will be boring, mm -hmm. then dance half a tanda. Don't <laughs> dance a whole tanda. That's the whole thing. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, because half a tanda of the mm -hmm. only two steps you know is mm -hmm. not going to be boring in the way that a whole tanda might be. Yeah. So, Roxanne, I've heard um, ever since I started learning, there was uh, something that always stuck out in my mind, and it's always proven to be true that there's always something new to learn when it comes to tango whether it's a step or a deeper layer of understanding based on a topic that we are already familiar with so even though you've had so much experience with tango and with dance in general is there something new that you've learned recently i think that recently something that came to me mm -hmm. uh it's more in my teaching though okay at this point, I'm not going to learn some new piece of material. I've pretty much, unless it's being discovered by somebody and hasn't been done before, mm -hmm. I've taken all those classes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> like multiple times all over the world. And that's great. And that's fine. And it doesn't mean I wouldn't take more. But generally, if I take mm -hmm. a class now, I take it to see the different perspective of a teacher that's teaching it. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, that connects to all the pathways in my brain of all the lessons I've taken and I come away with something and I mm -hmm. might think it was a fantastic class mm -hmm. and everybody else thought it was a terrible class. Mm -hmm. But it's a fantastic <laughs> class for me because mm -hmm. I can take the information I got and plug it into all the other information that's in my head. Mm -hmm. So I found it fascinating because of the other things it triggers, mm -hmm. you know. So that's, that's part of it too, you know. The better you get, I think, the more you get out of classes in general if you can understand that you're just plugging more information into the into the program you know yeah. <laughs> of different ways to go about it so how different people present information is fascinating to me so that's probably where I learn different things but I have found in my teaching is probably the biggest change recently mm -hmm. and that is first you learn your basics mm -hmm. right then you learn what's considered intermediate material yeah and the very first time you do a baleo the baleo itself is the big figure Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then the gancho itself is a big figure. Maybe it's two ganchos in a row and you walk to the cross or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But um, it's the figure, right? And then you learn a saccata series and that's the figure, right? And mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and and you think I'm gonna do this series and this series and this series and then mm -hmm. the next stage is that you can do saccata series, but you have like seven different saccata series you can pull out without much thought, right? Yeah. Doesn't mean it's exactly the same, but mm -hmm. you know you can do them left, you know you can do them right, you know you can change feet, you know, mm -hmm. you know you. I mean, they they're, the base is the same, but you know they're going to look really different because you understand more, yeah. right? And so now you have your five saccata series, your five gancho series, your five whatever, or no, whatever numbers. These are just random numbers, obviously. Sure. But then I feel. And I feel like that's what happens when we teach. First, we teach, here are your basics. Then we teach a certain number of your intermediate concepts within certain figures. And then we do those same figures a little bit differently and a little bit mm -hmm. differently. So you're starting to build ideas on how to put stuff together. But mm -hmm. recently, I feel like I have been developing with some of my students more that some material that I used to teach as this is the figure, mm -hmm. I teach as this is the glue. Okay. This is the glue between concepts, you know, so uh, because some stuff isn't maybe so interesting by itself. It doesn't mm -hmm. really rate its own big, bold figure, mm -hmm. like something like irregular crosses. Right? Yeah. Irregular crosses are fascinating, but they're fascinating because 
the very strange things they can lead into. Yeah. They're glue. Mm-hmm. They're glue for material. And they're and they and they make you find material in a very different way. When you do volcadas, but make them volcaditas, like make them really small, right. you know, yeah. that they are super useful. And how can they now connect to other things that mm-hmm. they can't when they're a great big figure? Mm-hmm. So now you take the intermediate figure that you've made this larger than life. I did volcadas, my volcada, <laughs> mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it becomes a volcadita and it mm-hmm. becomes a glue instead yeah. of the figure. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. That's to me fascinating because then again, now your dance is starting to evolve yet mm-hmm. again, and that's been true for for me for a while. But that's not been true in the way that I've approached it, teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So now I feel like I'm uh, going there sooner with people, mm-hmm. which is good because you know, a night of volcadas is miserable for the girl. There are big <laughs> ones, but you could do volcaditas all night long. Yeah. You know, and even a less experienced follower will follow a volcadita. They just think you lost your balance a little bit. Yeah. But they won't follow a volcada necessarily, right? Right. So it's actually a win-win all the way across, Mm -hmm. you know, that, Mm -hmm. but so that's, I feel like a big difference for me recently. Yeah, great. No, that's, that's excellent. So how do we find out more about you online, Roxanne? Well, the dance studio, our company is called Convergence Dance and Body Center, Mm -hmm. and we chose that because I wanted a place where all these different dance styles and movements would come together. You know, I wanted my salsa people to see tango. I wanted my tango people to see swing. I wanted Mm -hmm. my ballroom dancers to be exposed to different things, just, and, and, and not not to sell it, but mm-hmm. as a casual passing that you walk through and if it interests you, you're going to go, Hey, what's hey, that? Yeah. You know? And I think just a place where people that are like-minded, you know, mm-hmm. they love music, they love, they love dancing, that they could come together and experience dance and community, you know, all of that jazz. That's yeah. what I, that's what I really wanted to see happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the Convergence Dance and Body Center, we also have chiropractics and gyrotonic, which mm. is very Nice movement method for dancers. Okay. So we are at ConvergenceDBC, as in DanceBodyCenter.com, and uh, we are in the process of relocating right now. We have about Mm -hmm. an 1,800 square foot, two rooms. One's 1,000, and the other one's like 400 square feet. But we're moving to a space that's going to be double that. Nice. And uh, it's going to be a very, very busy spring, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, or... You know, up until we'll be we'll be in a new space by the end of April. So, uh, but you can always find us online, and we'll post everything about that. We also have a Facebook page. So All right. Obviously, you can find us. It's the same thing, Convergence DBC, okay. or Convergence Dance and Body Center. Okay. And uh, we have classes, regular classes. We do some workshops on weekends. We do some. We have done some traveling. I mean, I've taught it. I've taught at Tango Fest and mm-hmm. Valentango, and nice. not in a long time. You know, I was, that's something I did. Earlier on, I don't do so much now, mm-hmm. uh, and we take, of course, our annual trip to Argentina in March, which is a very popular trip. Okay. Uh, we have a great crew down there that we work with that we vet our people and our assistants and our teachers, and mm-hmm. we have a big group house, and it's, you know, it's, it's fun. Great. <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah. So we don't stay in a hotel, and uh, so we have a lot of, you know, dance-oriented things. We're working on a trip to Cuba as well, Ooh. and we're definitely... More the direction of social dancers. Okay. I mean, I've come from, I started because I love to dance. Mm-hmm. I went into competing and competitive dancing because it pushed me to be a better dancer and I wanted to be a better dancer and I think we need goals. But in the end, in my heart, my dance has always been about it feeling good yeah. and being about the music. So uh, you always come back home, you yeah. know? 
Okay. All right. Well, I'll have the URL and your uh, Facebook link uh, in our show notes so people will be able to find them easily. All right, Roxanne, thank you so much again for taking the time. It's been a lot of no, fun. No, thank you. It yeah. was a pleasure. I know it was probably more more information than you needed. No, but... that's, no that's that's great. I, I think that you know, there's a lot of really good stuff here that um, a lot of our, our Tango students will, will get out of. Again, the, the podcast is designed to be another learning resource because there's so much information and insights that instructors such as yourself, the, they gain over the years, but you don't necessarily have time to share that in a, in a workshop or a class because you know, there's a lot of other things to focus on, but right. it's really great to, to hear about your experiences and, and your yeah. thoughts. Yeah. It's really important to understand that, you mm -hmm. know, that everybody has a story and you don't, you mm -hmm. don't know when that story is going to change your perspective. Like one of those things of, you know, you're asking like, I want to dance with you, not your teacher. That mm -hmm. came from one of my assistants yeah. in Argentina, you know, wow. one I would never hire again. He was a terrible assistant, but that, <laughs> that quote Mm -hmm. That quote right by itself, well, he wasn't terrible. He just wasn't a very good one. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> live and learn. That was before we had our vetting process. Mm -hmm. But um, it was just an example of, wow, that's that's crazy. Or a little Cuban guy that I met on the street once, you know, that he's mm -hmm. like, oh, when you teach salsa, you should just teach it as a tap. And I remember thinking, but that's not wrong. But then I realized, mm -hmm. oh, but that makes people dance. Like, you never mm -hmm. know. Yeah. When someone's going to say something, so be open, you know, be yeah. open-minded and listen to these things like podcasts and, mm -hmm. and YouTube videos and, and, and DJ discussions about music and mm -hmm. where it came from in the orchestras because you just never know where you're going to get that next piece of information that makes you go, wow, yeah, yeah I get that, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for your service. It's great that someone's doing this. And, oh, thank you. And, yeah. Get it out there, and hopefully we'll meet on the dance floor. Yeah, I, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. love that. Okay, well, Roxanne, again, thanks so much for taking the time. I know you're super busy with a lot of things going on, but it means a lot that you took time out of your day to, to come talk to me, and I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. It's a okay. pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, All have right. a good week. Good luck with the move. Thank you. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, that was fun, and I'd like to thank Alan Malding out in St. Louis for encouraging me to get in contact with Roxanne. I hope to visit you all out there sometime. So, there was a lot of ground we covered in this interview. As you probably heard, what caught my attention was when Roxanne mentioned an experience when an instructor told her, I want to dance with you, not your teacher. In other words, we're not there to physically recite technique. Now, technique's important, of course, but tango is a place where we bring and embrace authentic personalities. Pun intended, I guess. Our dancing should say something unique about who we are. I also appreciated Roxanne's message to more experienced dancers in that our dancing skill will come through regardless of our partner's level. So don't make a habit of assigning blame to your partner if things don't go your way. And while discussing the topic of things that hold back our learning, Roxanne, like many other teachers, reminds us that we need to be okay with being wrong. When learning something new, being wrong is not a personal defect. It's part of the necessary discovery process, and it's going to happen. Continually making mistakes and fixing them is how we become the dancers we aspire to be. So thank you, Roxanne, for your thoughts, for telling your story, and for your time. And to all of you listeners, thank you again for tuning into Joe's Tango Podcast. If you enjoyed this program and you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, it would mean the world to me if you could go to any one or all of those platforms, 
Leave a five-star rating, a positive comment, and remember to subscribe. It only takes a minute, but does a lot to help more people find this podcast. And of course, sharing this with your friends would also be lovely. I truly appreciate your support. And if you have suggestions for people that you'd like me to interview, or if you just want to get in touch, feel free to send me an email. You can contact me at wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. And you can find out more about me and my own tango classes at wisconsintango.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, dot com. Okay, that's it for now. We'll have more shows coming to you every Monday and sometimes Fridays, but definitely every Monday. I'm Joe Yang. Talk to you again soon. Bye.